gliding shapes that violate every law of nature. It's the Horror Foria Podcast. Hi, can I help you? John Richards and Andy Gilly are talking everything and anything horror movies. Welcome to the Horror Foria Podcast. This is Thursday, February 13th of 2020. Broadcasting from our steamy studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. <laughs> Episode number 49. I'm John Richards. And Andy Gilly here. Special guest, Brad Ludwig. Now, Brad, we brought you in today because a couple of weeks back, uh, we did, well, what was it? It was Thanksgiving. We did um, Pilgrim, but you also brought a little more to the table from 2019, came out November 8th, uh, Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Yes. Didn't spoil it at all. I tried desperately not to. (laughs) So we decided to watch it. Yes, we did decide to watch it. And now we're going to spoil it today. We are going to spoil it today, but before that, do we have some horror movie news? We do have a little horror movie news. Uh, Urban Legend Reboot now as a director. Colin Minahan, who directed What Keeps You Alive, will be homing the remake of the 1998 original. Uh, I think I've seen Urban Legend exactly once. Uh, There's some movies, I don't know, I call them like pop horror uh, like this. Bubblegum horror. Yeah, I know what you did last summer is one of them. I, I don't know how to explain how I'd group all these together but like guilty uh, pleasures yeah I mean I like them uh, happy birthday to me I think is kind of in this category yeah um, I don't know uh, I've never actually I, you know honestly I've never actually yeah, I seen I know what you did last summer you've never seen it I've never seen it. it's been a long time <laughs> I've uh, never seen it either yeah Final De- Destination Final Destination 2 is a movie I really enjoyed so I'd count that as pop horror too but uh, speaking of which uh, I'm sure you're aware that Final Destination was supposed to be getting a reboot been in the works for like a year now. Uh, Patrick Melton, Marcus Dunstan, who are Saw franchise writers, mm-hmm. supposedly wrote it. I can't find anything about it, though. News about it was going on like a year ago before the Chris Rock Saw news, which is now being released in May. So, I don't know. Is that pushed up? Where, uh, yeah, it's it's in, I think, May 13th is when it's coming out. But originally it was t- supposed to come out in what, October? Uh, the new Saw? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think so. I, I saw its release date is May, so... Oh. Uh, Book of Saw. Well, um, I, can't, I can't remember what I saw, but anyway, um, the uh, Hunt, which is a Blumhouse, uh, Hunt was which is Blumhouse Universal movie about elitist liberals hunting conservatives, <laughs> most dangerous game kind of way. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's getting a uh, March release. <laughs> <I> saw that. <laughs> Films been slated to run uh, last fall got canceled. The outcry which caused the cancellation was mostly due to conservative groups angry about the perceived content in the film. Yeah. No one uh, criticizing it had actually seen the film from what I'm aware. Uh, movies now being completely remarketing, re- uh, remarketed and is leaning into the controversy. Uh, poster shows a litany of quotes by various sources that criticize the content of the film. I saw the trailer of this, and I think we reported on it a couple weeks ago, or when this happened back in fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to out myself here, but I tend toward the conservative side. I didn't really see anything to be offended by here. Okay. <laughs> you know, it kind of looked like the conservatives were the protagonists, actually. I don't know. I saw the poster on Instagram. I think Blumhouse is just trolling they, us. Oh, yeah, they're truly <laughs> trolling, so... Um, I don't know. I think it, it purportedly it makes a statement about how ridiculous both sides are, and I like that idea. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it this week. All right. We have a little horror movie trivia. Director Mike Flanagan also directed a very popular Netflix original series. What was that series? Uh, Black Mirror? Uh, 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 Altered Carbon. <laughs> no. The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, oh okay. that's right. right. Okay. Yep. All right. 
You got one, Andy? I do. This many shots were reused from The Shining in Dr. Sleep. Was you at, from the film yes, itself? Yes, so they used the actual shots from The Shining. They used some of the actual shots from The Shining in Dr. Sleep. How many of the, those shots? So there's shots at least were? one. There's at least one. I'll say one. Brad? I'll say six. There were three. Three. And it's uh, the helicopter shot and two shots of the car of the car coming up the mountain road. Uh, they were digitally changed from day to night, and snow was CGI'd in. Uh, and every other shot, wow. including the blood coming from the elevator, was recreated for the film. Although that shot wasn't ready for the trailer, so in uh, Kubrick's version was used for the trailer. Of Interesting. The, of the bloody elevator. Oh man! Otherwise, they recreated all of that, that uh, and just use reuse the helicopter shot, which I thought was interesting. I think well, that was a little easier to recreate than some of the other stuff. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, we're going to go into Andy's chainsaw synopsis. That's right. Uh, years ago, Danny Torrance used his powers of The Shining to survive the malevolent forces of the Overlook Hotel. Now, as an adult, he must use his powers again to stop an evil cult that feeds on children gifted with The Shining. Boy, that's 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 like perfect. Man. <laughs> Boom, done. All right, here's your spoiler alert. We are going to be talking about Doctor Sleep from 2019 in its entirety, including twists and turns and spoilers and everything. If you have not seen it and plan on seeing it, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back to find out what we have to say. Doctor Sleep 2019, fellas, I'm going to go into this saying that that Andy and I are not the biggest fans of The Shining. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations from this movie, but I was. I surprisingly enjoyed it. I was blown away by this movie. I loved it. it was, I thought it was great. <laughs> and Brad, you did and a I, really good job uh, a couple months ago talking about it. Um, did it increase my ins- excitement to watch it? A little bit. It did. It was just, okay, now I'm curious. You know, it just seemed to me that it was cut and dry. This is going to be a sequel to The Shining from 1980. Yeah. And I think I think the marketing in this was really flawed. Uh, I thought this had a lot to do with him being an orderly and helping sick people go to the other side, you know? I thought we were going like, to be in a hospice the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought uh, if they'd have said there was like an evil witch who killed Shining children for their souls and The Shining was used like battle magic in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I probably would have hopped right over to the theater. But, uh, you know, that, that just wasn't the way it was marketed. And I think, you know, some of it had to do with the title, too. It almost sounds like a supervillain Dr. Sleep. I know that's yeah. the title that King wrote and used it for his novel, but I didn't think it it uh, it just seemed kind of boring, you know. Yeah, I, you know, and I think that uh, there have been a number of movies that have been wrecked by crap marketing, and I think that Dr. Sleep was done no favors by their marketing department. But to be fair, you're trying to do a follow-up of a Kubrick classic. Um, that's like on you know the top of the list of all the movies that he's done. Um, how do you how do you market that and not disappoint people that might be looking for Kubrick level awesomeness when obviously the director is not Stanley Kubrick and that's not what they were going to do and in fact he was trying to bridge the differences between the movie and the books. Well, to- here, here's the trouble with that and going back to The Shining is that. Um, Stephen King absolutely hated Kubrick's vision of The Shining. And then I I guess Flanagan went into this going like, listen, I have to appease two. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to appease Stephen King who wrote the freaking thing. And then I've got to appease The Shining fans, you know, because obviously Stephen King wasn't a fan of the 1980 movie. No. But 
a lot of horror movie fans have it at number one or in their top five of all time, which, by the way, we'll talk about next week. Um, <laughs> so he had to appease by two. So he had he had a lot going against him going into this movie. And I thought he did a fantastic job of it. Like the, I was afraid this was going to be some sort of mimic of a Kubrick film too, uh, and he was gonna he was gonna try to you know pretend to be Stanley Kubrick or something. And the only the only real Kubrickian stuff was homage. You know, it was uh, yeah, it, it was it was a throwback to the uh, to the original movie or stuff from the original movie that uh, that was really all that. And I liked that. I, I liked that he didn't try to mimic. Uh, Kubrick in any way in this movie, and I, I haven't I haven't read this book, uh, but I've seen the movie, and and I thought it really did a good job of being a sequel to the movie, and maybe that's another thing that did hurt it in the box office or hurt hurt it as far as its marketing went. Is I don't, I don't remember them like making a big deal of it being a, a sequel of The Shining. I, I don't know that it it said that it didn't say like it wasn't called like Doctor Sleep The Shining 2 or anything like that. You I know, think they did try to downplay that. And I was talking with John earlier and I was saying that to me and I haven't read either book, so I'm just going to lay that out there. But to me The Shining is more of a story about the overlook. Jack and Danny and Wendy are, and, and Dick Holleran, for that matter, are all a part of the story, but it's really about the Overlook. And you find out at the end that the Overlook is really kind of a malevolent entity that feeds on other individuals and traps them there. And then we get to Dr. Sleep and we kind of figure out why, but Dr. Sleep is more of a hero's journey for Danny than it is a story about the Overlook. It includes the Overlook, and that's his final hero's challenge at the end um, but they are two distinctly different films because I think the focus is is very different yeah they are very different types of stories you're right, you're I, right. and I'm a little right. I'm a, I, I disagree with you just a little bit when it comes to it being a good sequel uh, this movie could have been its own individual movie Absolutely. I really enjoyed what they did of not just paying homage, but bringing back The Shining. Mm-hmm. But this was a completely different movie. I mean, and it's Absolutely. it's like, I, I was like back and forth. I, it was like, you know, you didn't understand what Danny's powers were in The Shining, which which I think was, was made the mystery great in The Shining, but now you know exactly what it is. So, I mean, it's like two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, they... The way they brought things back, I thought Mike Flanagan did a really good job of bringing it back, of bringing back who was Tony. You know, Tony was that that little boy that hides in the back of his throat that helps him out, that helps him, keeps him safe. Right. You know, but, you know, and then like later in the movie in in Dr. Sleep, he calls for Tony. Tony, help me. You know, but it's just basically his shine. But he gave a name to it. Yeah. And that's that's what you find out in the books is that. Tony is actually himself from the future, giving himself his younger self. It's like a paradox. Yeah, that's exactly right. To survive the shut, to survive this incident that I have gone through, I'm going to project myself back in time and help you. Yeah, that's what I thought, and that's that's in the book. Was that? That was not they, they explained not in the movie. Explain that in the movie at all. No. That's right, because I I I had heard that, and maybe you told me that. I'm not sure. Somebody somebody told me that, and I I I didn't know if I just missed it in this movie or if uh, no, because they really do explain. The Shining is a lot more than I thought it was. Yeah. from seeing The Shining, uh, you know, well, bringing got, that up, and maybe this is a dumb question because he does mention Tony later in the movie. How is it then, if Tony is his future self? 
then how does Dick Holleran become that guardian angel for him? Or why? In, in Dr. Sleep. I, uh, that is a very good question. And like I said, I didn't really read the books and that might be explained, but yeah. it seemed like Dick's job was to shepherd and mentor Danny to a certain degree. I don't think, I think that Danny was probably more powerful than Dick and probably had no idea that Danny could even do that. Yeah, I got the idea that that Danny was more powerful than Dick because there are, you know, obviously this movie... Uh, shows that there are degrees of of power in yeah. in, in the shining and and uh, you know some people are like uh, Rose the Hat here is is probably the most powerful user of the shining or uh, I don't know what you would call it a haver of the shining that there <laughs> is there I, yeah I, I think they're regular people that that you utilize you know and again Brad and I were talking is that you know it's a good versus evil right. Uh, you know, cliche of, you know, the, the shine is your good guy, your, your, uh, protagonist and, and the true not is your antagonist. Cause they use these powers for themselves right. for, you know, immortality yeah. and whatever, you know, yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, the movie starts out with a little bit of Danny's childhood. It goes back to that and shows kind of what happened after the overlook, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and this is where we get a little bit of the, um, a little bit of the, uh, you know, the we, some of the scenes from from the original that they redid, like Danny on his uh, on his big wheel going through yeah. the, yeah, uh, <laughs> they redid that shot. That's a totally different shot. That was a great looking shot, though. It, it was a great looking shot. I was impressed. Uh, I'm, I was really impressed with what they did. Mm-hmm. Another thing I really liked is in this in this sequence, they got some different actors to play Dick Halloran and uh, and uh, um, yeah, the Shelley Duvall's character. They didn't try to like. I, I really I liked. The that they did that and they didn't and scam yeah yeah dick halloran and i'm sorry wendy was yeah, is her yeah. name that's right uh I, I just thank god they didn't try to cgi them in yeah <laughs> See, that's what made it like like that's what i got enjoyment out of it because she didn't look exactly like shelly no. duvall but the her mannerisms and her yes, voice yeah. I went, if you close your eyes that's shelly duvall and so yeah. is the, so is the dick halloran guy i thought that was great i i really like that they went got away from like trying to cgi like what they did yeah i think this kind of started out in the uh tron sequel where yeah they, where they, <laughs> they, they de-age jeff bridges or whatever um and you know obviously it's been done with uh far you know, better now in, 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 the, in the latest star wars well and they did they did it with the kids in it chapter two where it's yeah. just like this looks ridiculous yeah mm-hmm. but it's like why you know I think back to the theater days, you had an understudy and there was different people who could play these parts. Yeah. Why can't we just, I can suspend my disbelief and, and I actually enjoyed this more seeing these different actors play these, take on these roles than I would have, you know, seeing someone CGI'd into that. Oh yeah. Seeing Shelley Duvall and uh, yeah. Scamman Carruthers CGI'd into this movie. They really, and I think I mentioned that when I was on is that they really channeled the spirit of the characters yeah. that they were portraying That's without great trying to be them right and i and i think that kind of goes back to him not trying to mimic kubrick you know taking bits from the shining but not trying to be kubrick because i think he would have been skewered for attempting that no yeah exactly you get a little taste when you when you go back in time because they had moved to florida and dan Mm -hmm tells Danny he tells somebody or no 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 I, I'll, I'll get to that later but they uh, um, Wendy and Danny end up moving to Florida 
Oh, they have their own little place. The uh, naked old woman appears mm-hmm. out of the bathtub. And at some point, Danny goes back there. It's like he, he wakes up from this nightmare of reliving the Overlook, goes into the bathroom and like kills his demons. You yes. hear a scream and it's like Danny comes walking out and like, OK, this is gone. What had happened was is Dick said, you know, hey, Dan- Danny or ca- keeps calling him Doc because that was his yeah. name. Right. Takes it. Take this tin can and imagine that and build a bunch of them in your mind. Right. And we find out more so about is, that later. Yeah, so this is how he's able to like trap these and get away from those uh, things that are pursuing him in the past. Uh, uh, Halloran also tells him that there's these these uh, malevolent uh, people or beings out there who feed off the shining. You know, that's where he kind of gives it gives him a preview of what the knot is, so that yeah. Danny recognizes it later. And then we uh, we also see uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, you know, is in this uh, campground. Uh, this is where we get introduced to her. She's, uh, you know, the Rose the Hat, who's the main, uh, I, I guess, you know, this is exactly who the Eagles were singing about when they sang the song Witchy Woman. Uh, <laughs> she's a great actress. Yeah, she is, oh, she she's was a great amazing. actress, and this is fantastic in this movie. Uh, but she's trying to do, there's something sketchy going on with this girl named Violet that she's, uh, she's like, obviously trying to lure her in. Uh, in this campground, and I think it said the year was 1980 or something like it that. It was when when this started, uh, and uh, uh, th- th- what they're trying to do obviously is feed off the the shining powers, which we see later, which we see them actually do later uh, in a very uh, tough to watch scene with a with a, oh, another oh, yeah. child. Yeah, Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> which it was tough for the actors to film too. I guess Rebecca <laughs> film Ferguson was actually crying during that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, here's here's and just to preface it so we don't have to go a lot into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the shine appears once somebody passes away as a steam, yeah. or everybody has a steam, which is in essence their spirit or their shine. Uh, the this group, the true knot, like soaks it in like a like a bong hit. Like they mm-hmm. just sit there and and breathe in this steam, and they get the powers from this individual, which allows them to live a lot longer. Not right. necessarily immortal, but just stay young and, mm-hmm. and live a lot longer than nor- humanly possible. Right. And like when we see Rose the Hat initially, she looks the same now as she did back then. Yeah. Know? 1980. So then we flash forward to flash what, forward. 2008. The eighth, I think. I think. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's this uh, 15 year old girl who's preying on pedophiles. She, uh, you know, invites them to a movie and, uh, um, you know. Uh, oh, before that, we should steal some money. Let's check in with Dan. Who yeah. is now Dan? Yes, yeah. yeah. he's an alcoholic. He's going well, home with drugged up women from bars to steal his money to buy coke. He's, yes. he's in a real bad place in his life. He's he's basically hit rock bottom. He's become the right. alcoholic that his dad was. Right. Uh, he ends up in bed with this woman. He's re- like like flashing back to the night before. He beats up a guy, getting really drunk, doing drugs. Mm-hmm. He wakes up, sees this woman dead in bed, mm-hmm. and obviously she had taken his money to buy cocaine. Right. This three-year-old toddler gets up and is crying. Dan hands this child chips and puts him on the bed next to his dead mother. Uh, Dick makes an appearance. I don't... She wasn't dead at that point. I, I don't she, think, I think she, she was, was out. Yeah, oh, she, she was, was out. completely okay. passed out. And I think that was kind of the, the cycle of she would party, he would have to get up and do whatever, but she was out cold and the kid was kind of left to fend for itself. Right. I, yeah. I don't think Danny would have willingly left that kid there with a with a dead woman. And I think that's what 
that's what bothered him when he saw them later is that they were both dead and then he realized well that I think because he died. hadn't drank for a while I, yeah. I, I, I don't th- I don't think it really affected him because he did leave her leave that child there alone and stole her money yeah. <laughs> and just had no guilt about it. and Dick is in there his his guardian angel or his conscience is sitting there what are you Dan, doing, Doc? Or Doc, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Just just yeah. put the money back at the very least. You can just go, but just put the money back. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it shows where Danny's life has kind of just gone, and he, it is rock bottom for him. So For sure. Uh, and, yeah, then we're, we're introduced to the snake bite Andy. Uh, there's another girl uh, later on uh, who's very powerful. Her name is Abra Stone. Yeah, she's at her fifth birthday party. Yeah. She's, she's got a ma- ma- magician there, yeah. and he's doing this. He's doing this uh, uh, like a spoon trick, <laughs> and she goes, "I could do it." This five year old little girl. Right. His parent. The parents are having a conversation, and then they go into the kitchen, and there's like two dozen spoons that are yeah. just suspended in the air, like Yuri Geller on steroids. Right. So her dad is a writer. Can can Stephen uh, can, can can Stephen King write anything that doesn't have a writer in it? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I'm just surprised nope. you didn't say, "Hey, I can't think of a really good ending for my book." <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, is there a Stephen King uh, novel or movie that doesn't have a writer in it? I mean, uh, uh, Salem's Lot is about a writer. I mean, it's come on. Chapter two. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That was I, that was an eye roll for me. Yeah, I was like, I was that was kind of an eye roll for me, but. Basically, uh, what what happens then is uh, we do see Rose the Hats, the Knot, the True Knot. It's called mm-hmm. uh, their group, and and I guess you know I would I would liken what they do to vampirism. I guess that's yes, because because they start to deteriorate. It seems like they they uh, they start to weaken if they aren't getting uh, they can, they they store these shining in these kind of containers, and if they aren't getting those, they start to weaken and wither, and because uh, they're like begging Rose to let them. Take one, yeah. Okay, take, take, take the steam in so they can keep right. this, and uh, you could. They're they're not invincible. They're not immortal no. because they could right. be shot and die. Yes, that's you correct. Know, just like uh-huh. anybody else. Um, but they have this. You know, they found the fountain of youth with this shine, with this steam, so they keep it in these containers that look like, um, you know, which McCallits the, whatever, like they're, drink they're, mixers. Looks, looks kind of like or, a yeti uh, yeti drink. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, like a thermos. Yeah, it does. That's, it looks that's like the like word I was looking for. There you go. Yeah, right. So they do that. They keep and yeah, and they recruit Snake by Andy. Right. Uh, she takes her first hit of steam, and you know, find out it's like, oh, I felt like I died. Well, you did. You just became right. kind of vampiristic. Yeah. Uh, so Rosa Hat's group. Then there's this kid who's playing baseball, who they say seem to seems yeah. to like be able to see the what's going on in the pitcher's mind. They say he's like uh, I don't know, basically batting a thousand or something like that. He always <laughs> gets on base. They say so he does. He gets on bases. Game. He went. They win the game. He's walking home on like you know what's probably a typical Iowa cornfield type road. Yeah, this field. is a stranger danger trip. Oh right? yeah, Absolutely. field field of dreams kind of uh, road that he's walking down here. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like a sketcher van that the uh, yeah it, not pulls up. It. They the actually opened the side door. Free candy on yeah, the side. Yeah, it of said it. free candy on the side. I mean, man, it was hey, real quick. Going back to the baseball game. Yeah, you know the guy that was talking about the game that was wearing a baseball cap. No, Danny that? Lloyd. Oh, was it? Was it really? Was that a cameo by Danny Torres? <laughs> oh, I missed that. I did not catch that. Yeah, that was him. Really, that that's too. awesome. Okay, huh? I didn't catch that. But so they kidnap him and. Um, 
Jesus. They, uh, they, they, they kill him. Yeah, they and, tie and, him and, down yeah. by, by arms and legs. And it's, it's a gruesome scene to watch. I mean, it's really tough to watch. And it was, like I said, very tough for the actors to do. What makes that the steam powerful is they have to torture or elicit very strong emotions. Well, that's what Rose says. She says that fear and pain purify the steam. That's right. Yep. That's right. So, so they're, he, he, they're basically torturing this kid. To yeah, death. they're they're they want him scared. They want him to feel every single mm-hmm. thing. Um, and so they're they're sucking this thing up, and and you know they're feeling even better because this yeah. kid is so powerful. Right. But Abra on the other side of the war, or other side of the United States is feeling this like very empathetic towards this pain because she's screaming along with them. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. Um, then so the, basically you know Abra has this nightmare. What what they what her parents think is a nightmare or whatever. And then we uh, we move to Danny, who's now now an orderly. He's cleaned his he cleaned himself up. Yeah, he's been sober for eight years. Uh, I, I love the scene of that when he got that chip, and he dedicated it to his dad. So this yeah. is for yeah. Jack Torrance, you know, yeah. because yep. he know he knows his dad struggled with it. Yeah, and I think that too was a way for him to kind of get past his trauma. Mm-hmm. And that was a way for him to kind of bridge the next part of his journey, which I think was to become the hero that that he was meant to be. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is where, you know, we, we see Danny being an orderly, helping people die. There's this cat that goes in and sits on people's beds who are, you know, near death. And it's a pretty touching scene, like uh, Ethan... Uh, er, um, Ian uh, McGregor. Ian McGregor uh, go, uh, it does a. I think he does. He and the actor that are uh, that are playing the uh, the guy in the hospice do a fantastic job. I mean, it's really a touching scene, and helping him let go and go and and know that it's okay to die. Um, and actually, that was the scene that King wrote the book around. Okay. Okay. He had the you know because he'd heard of like the pets that would go next to people that yeah. were were dying and then. He, he's like, oh, you know, what if Danny could use his shine in that regard? And then Dr. Right. Sleep kind of grew out of that. Right. It, it, I didn't know that, but it, uh, that that's uh, it is a really moving scene. And it's, you know, and I, like I said, I think the marketing focused on this part of it, which yeah. is actually a very small part of the, the movie. But uh, this was a good, great scene. Uh, now, there's an actual cat that does this, I guess, in, in, in some kind of uh, hospice out in, on mm-hmm. the East Coast. Uh, his name is not Azriel. I don't think I would name <laughs> a, a cat. But you know, it's not too uh, too hidden a fact that that's the angel of death. So I'm not sure that I would. Uh, I mean, I, I maybe know a little more about angelology than most people, but I think that's a pretty common commonly known thing that Azrael is the angel of death. So. I do want to quickly interject that I think that's the moment where Danny realizes that he's always treated his shine as a curse. Sure. And that was the moment where he had gotten past his trauma with his dad, and now he's found a way to use the shining for something good. I think that's a really good point. You're, you're. I, I believe that is a turning point for you're right. You're right. That that's a great point. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, I just I, the doctor sleep. That I, I get that. You know, and he he needed to he needed to fight through his own demons and everything that he had dealt with. But it's just, I don't know. I to me. It was okay. I I don't know if it added a lot. The only thing that I saw that it added because the, uh, the the cat went into a room that was already empty and yeah. Dick reappeared because um, Abra really wanted to go find this Bradley kid, the kid that got killed. Right. And it's like, hey, you need to go find his body because 
Abra went to this part of New Hampshire where Dan was and introduced herself and and, and started calling him Uncle Dan just because they had that psychic connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only thing that was affected with that was was when Dick came in there and says, "Hey, I'm not going to make any more appearances. You need to do this on your own. You need to you need to pay a debt." Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. So so yeah. Um, Rose and Abra kind of confront each other, and there's this uh, there's this grocery store display case that explodes because they've you know they're having this kind of confrontation. I think which, which would I think would go viral pretty quick. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and she I gets think, blown across the aisle, and that's uh, the point we realize just how strong Abra yes. is and how bad Rose needs to get that right. And and they also explain in, in the scene here that uh, you know I was I was wondering why they had brought. Um, Snakebite Andy on on board and brought made her a part of the knot, uh, and they're saying that they, you know, and then they killed this kid, this baseball kid. I'm like, why did they why did they not bring him in if he's so powerful? And Rose kind of explains that uh, she's talking to Crow Daddy, who's played by Zon McLaren, an actor I love. He's, he always does a great job. Um, she asks, he asks if if she is food or if they they should turn her. They actually use the vampire term or undead term turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, uh, and Rose is clearly intimidated by the by uh, Abra, and she says she doesn't want anyone with that power in the knot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that she, you know, that's how she felt about the baseball kid too. Like he was maybe too powerful, and she wanted to maintain her supremacy. Or yeah, I, I don't think so. I, no, I think what they were looking for is just because they had mentioned in part of the uh, beginning of the movie that you know people are getting weaker and weaker, and they're yeah. they're they're not allowing their shine or their their powers to show. They're very diluted. Yeah. Right. So they're not getting what they need out of it. So right. Um, so Rose starts meditating on top of the bus. Oh, I love this scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, she comes into Abra's mind and is real condescending about it. <laughs> she, like, calls her a rube. Uh, she sees that her Abra's mind is shown as, like, a wall of filing cabinets. And Rose is a, about to start poking through them. And then Abra turns the tables on her. I love this scene. This is great. <laughs> Rose, Rose says something about, my mind is a cathedral. And you see uh, Abra inside this cathedral. like, And she starts g- going through these files in in the cathedral and uh, you realize that uh, this is a trap and that Abra has set, is now in Rose's mind and uh, like the door slams on, on Rose's hand and actually gets degloved from trying to pull it out of there and uh, you know she's trying to escape this light that's fo- uh, following her and she she does get out uh, or, or uh, maybe Abra throws her out just violently so hard that it knocks her off the top of her bus. It's just a fantastic scene. I loved it. I didn't like how she got there. I thought the flying scene as she's meditating to get there yeah. was really dumb. Well, it, it, I don't know. I think it, I didn't have a problem with that. Part, I, I, I think it kind of helped express the distance between the two yeah. and the level of power you would have to have to knock somebody off a bus on the other side of the country. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think it, uh, I, I didn't have a problem with that either, I guess. I thought it, I thought it allowed her to kind of, uh, condescendingly uh, you know show how think think that she was it gave her time to think that she was so powerful you know as she was uh, drifting into what she thought was Abra's mind uh, but yeah so then uh, they, go, they go with uh, Dan um, 
Amber connects with Dan and they go dig up this baseball uh, boy's body. Yeah, Dan's friend Billy goes with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want Abra to go only because she's got school and stuff like that. Right. So she's like, she's psychically talking to Dan of this is exactly where it is. So. Yeah. Uh, so basically after that, they, uh, and then they dig up this kid's body and I don't know, they just leave. Maybe you want to call the police or something. I, I'd I assume that they, they did. Well, there. think about digging up a child's body in a, a random place. Yeah. How would you explain that? No, oh, you wouldn't. The psychic child on the other side of the country <laughs> right. told me to come here and dig it up. You have a good point. I, I that, just, I was that like, that would be hard. I was like, I don't think this. Is, and and you, they took his glove. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you got, you got some evidence there. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but that, so they basically use that as a trap uh, for the knot. Uh, they they end up having a gunfight with them. They kill a bunch of them. Um, all of them. All, all of them, them except were, for Crow Daddy didn't get killed. Crow Daddy right? was he set up his own trap for Abra at yeah. that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, they killed all of them, including Snakebite Andy in this in this uh, gunfight. Uh, and you see them like they they disintegrate blade style. You when know? they die, that's cool. It is. It's like a well, like you know, a, a modern version of the blade kill, which looks really bad. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah, so um, Abra's she did she gets trapped by a crow daddy, but then Danny comes into her mind and uh, yeah, somehow takes over her body, which is another great scene because crow daddy's really kind of condescending about you know having her trapped and drugging her and stuff, and then. Danny actually, you know, uh, gets into his mind, makes him crash into a tree because mm-hmm. he, he points out that he looks into the in the van and sees that he doesn't have a seatbelt on because he's, uh, you know, so uh, he's a more arrogant. Yeah. feels like he's arrogant, arrogant for your immortality. So <laughs> yeah. this bam, makes the car slam into a, a tree and then Crow Daddy dies. Right. And I'm always cognizant of like how long a movie is and what how, where I'm at in the movie. So I look at the movie and the movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And this is about the two hour point. I'm like, really? Aren't we going to just kill off Rose the Hat? Couldn't we just go get her now? And uh, I see there's 40 minutes left and I'm like, what can possibly be happening here? And then, uh, you know, it, 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 we, the, the, um, they're, in a dr- they're driving, um, Abra and Danny are driving in this vehicle, and he says, uh, we're gonna, we have to take Rose the Hat somewhere where uh, that's dangerous to all, everybody with, uh, you know, with The Shining. Yeah, not just We're place. going to Colorado. I know a place. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait. And, you know, I, I hadn't really... Her, like looked at a lot of the marketing they're going to the overlook which I'm like okay I can wait I can watch this for 45 40 yeah. more minutes that'll be fine <laughs> so, uh, and then here's there, there's some really good homage here right? and this is where you get the, the three shots that were used in the original Shining okay. they're going up the uh, the snowy uh, road I, I, I thought it was interesting that uh, Dick Halloran needed a snowcat to get up the uh, <laughs> overlook and they used the 1998 Toyota Camry but uh <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, it's fine. I could I deal with that. Well, I think it, there, was, there was a huge snowstorm yeah, yeah, that they had to deal true. with. That's so. true. It was yeah. just Maybe it was the, you know, the overlook is closed. Yeah. So it could be, for all I know, it could be, you know, almost spring. So Yeah, so they end up <laughs> getting there. Uh, Dan tells Aber to stay in the car um, because they're so far away and there's only one entrance in. Hey, when you see the lights, get a hold of me psychically. Uh, to let me know when Rose is here. I have to go wake up the building. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to turn everything on, and as he's walking through, lights are just popping it's on all of a sudden. It's turning on kind of by itself. And then you get another cool little cameo. Because Dan goes to the, the, what is it, the gold room? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. He sees one solo glass for, for whiskey. It's yeah. not full. He, he walks up there, and... 
here comes good old Jack Torrance. He's like, mm-hmm. hey there, sir. Would you like a drink? Uh, Dad, you know I don't drink. And it's like, no, my name is Lloyd. My name is Lloyd. So that interaction yeah, was I great. That. I, and that was Henry Thomas. Yeah, I, I love that. I, and I thought he looked a lot like Jack Nicholson. I guess Jack Nicholson's not doing real well these days and uh, didn't think that uh, they could have de-aged him again with CGI, but I thought this was a much better way to do it. Yeah. Well, cause, so. And you never got a direct shot of his face. You just got side right. shots. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was effective because you knew who exactly who it was. So it was funny because it was like Dan was kind of poking and, you know, he, uh, um, Jack was kind of egging him on to take yeah. a drink because he had been sober for eight years and he's like you know getting ready no no i'm not going to and then you see jack go into his madness it's like well then you have to deal with a bunch of people <laughs> and a bunch of mouths to feed and and that was great it was it was awesome so brad what'd you think of it the, the jack torrance character i really felt that it was true to to jack nicholson's performance but I also kind of like the callback to uh, the Grady character. Oh, the way he started out? Because Grady to Jack was Lloyd. Yes. And it wasn't until later on they're having the conversation. It's like he slowly comes out of this haze and realizes that he is Grady mm-hmm. and talks about killing his family, which if he were Lloyd, he wouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. So you come to dead jack as the bartender who is lloyd it's like lloyd is a title Mm -hmm. as the mouthpiece for the overlook ah and that's kind of interesting perspective yeah yeah i really like that actually that's really interesting and it's like at the point where you're pushed where I, i don't know if it's the ghost that's pushed they slowly start to assert their own personality and try to really poke at because it's like an escalation of poking at Danny. Right. Essentially. That's exactly what he was doing. And, yeah. And, and so your it's worst. polite at first, and yeah. then it's getting more and more personal. Yeah. Well, and Danny kind of kind of pokes at him as well, you know, trying to break that mold of being Lloyd. Yeah. And then he goes into that madness thing again. You know, it's your worst, your worst instincts. Uh, uh, that's what you become. You become part of this. And, you know, like. Grady, what did he say? They needed to be punished or something like that. Like uh, his kids, they needed to be straightened. It was something that wasn't so much punished, right. but made right, corrected, corrected. They needed yes, to be right. <laughs> and we come to realize, corrected means uh, using an axe. Correct, <laughs> corrected. I mean, <laughs> so uh, this, you know, some of the things that he says here. Are really not very nice and if my you know if a father of mine said said this it would you know he's saying how annoying children are and it just makes him out to be not a nice guy really you know and I don't know that Jack Torrance ever was a nice guy or a real good dad you know and is maybe does maybe Danny see that because Danny obviously reveres his father he dedicated his uh sobriety his sobriety to him yes uh is he really seeing like the the, uh, true Jack Torrance, or am I completely off on that? Is, is no, I th- that I think is that the, more the Grady character coming through? Where because J- Jack Torrance was never a very he sat, you know, he isolated himself. He took his family up to the Overlook for his own purposes, you know, and, and made them go through this stuff. And then he, you know, turns into this, uh, you know, 
nightmare at the end of it tries to kill him. I mean, was he ever really a good dad or a nice guy? At the risk of getting very personal, I have family members who are alcoholics. They lived in California and they wanted to move to Wisconsin because they felt they could get away from the lifestyle. The drinking lifestyle. Correct. (laughs) It did not work. And I kind of get the impression that Jack is kind of the same way because okay. we find out that he injured Danny earlier. Yes, that's true. That's, that's in the show. Yeah, his arm or something. Yeah, like his arm yeah. or something like that, yeah. Um, so we know that that is there. He gave up drinking, but I mean, if you look at some of the AA tenants, you'll always be an alcoholic. You'll always be an addict. That right. never goes away. Right. So even if you stop drinking, the tendencies are still there. Right. And I think the same thing applies here. That, well, I mean, yeah. going back on that, maybe, and that was his t- temptation to, to, Andy, I think he wasn't a good guy. I, I don't think he ever was. No. I think he no. tried. I think yes. he, because I, I think there was like five months where he was sober. Like he was going to AA meetings or whatever. Yeah. And he was five months sober. And then that just all turned around when he became isolated because there was no booze. Yeah. And they yeah. said that when they brought him in. Completely There's no dry. booze in here. It's right. just bringing out your worst intentions. Right. This, this, and that's kind of my problem with the movie is that it's just that's what The Shining was to me. It was like it, it had nothing to do with. You're right. It wasn't about Jack or or Wendy or Danny. It was about the hotel itself and it bringing the worst out of you. Your true bad intentions, or at least what the building or what the overlook felt you are to your core. Yeah. At least the negative aspect of it, and pull that out or draw that out and amplify it um, like we saw with with Jack. I mean, he wasn't necessarily, probably, like we said, not the nicest guy. And then just to see it push him to the point where he's snapped and he's writing all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And that's the only thing that he wrote. Right. So ultimately, he does refuse. He refuses the booze and and uh, succeeds in, in the test that Jack Torrance failed at. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, then at, at this point, Rose shows up to the Overlook. She tracks, she's tracked them to the Overlook. Yeah, this is the, the, the reshoot of the blood scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she laughs at the yeah. uh, ble- at the bleeding elevator. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's not impressed, yeah. you know. She, she thinks it's quaint, basically. You know, <laughs> this uh, show of power from the hotel, she's laughing at it. I don't think that she fully realized that maybe it was the building and maybe she thought it was Danny or Abra trying to play tricks on her or to uh, disquiet her. I wonder about that. I I, I think I got the idea that she knew it was, I don't think she realized the power of the hotel. Like, I don't think she truly got, I think she realized it as a place. I don't know how someone that as powerful as her would not recognize that uh, and realize where it's coming from. But I don't think she recognized its power because she was used to being the most powerful thing like in the in the scene with uh snake bite andy when she uh you know when snake bite andy is kind of cocky to her and and she's like no no 
you, you know, she's basically, I guess, part of the shining is like using the force. You can, or, you know, like the purple man from Jessica Jones. Yeah. You can enact your will on people. Uh, and Andy tries to do that to her. And she's like, I don't, th- I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, well, I think, she didn't know the power. You're right. Yeah. And, and I don't think the ghost have been unleashed at this point yet. No. no and I think that part of it, and Danny and Dan specifically says he's going to go up and go in and wake up the hotel. Yeah. Before, before Abra even comes in to tell, he's, I have to go wake it up. And I think it's not until, and that might've been part of the trap is the building has no ghosts in there. Other people who shine in there. So it's mm-hmm. not at its full power. So yeah, all of the, all the ghosts are trapped in Danny's in boxes. Danny's, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I think it's not until. No, you're right. You're right. So maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't really have the power until Danny releases. These yeah, things. that's right. Cause he does do that. He unlocks those 10 boxes, yep. see them all open. And then here comes every single character that you ever saw in, in yeah. shining. <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh, so she has this showdown with Danny and he's got the axe that, uh, you know, Jack Torrance put through. the. Yep. Uh, well, they set up the another trap for her and, mm-hmm. and, you know, him and Abra are saying, well, you don't know where you're standing. And you hear that a lot. You don't know where you're standing, you know, and it, it happens a couple of times in the movie, but she ends up in the maze. In the maze. maze. I so wanted to see some hedge animals here. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, CGI is good and, enough now. But I, I think that, again, staying true to the Kubrick and, and King, there had to be yeah. compromises in that to suddenly have magical topiaries <laughs> running around uh, trying to, you know, kill Rose would have been very unsettling. And uh, I didn't jarring. say it was a good idea. I said I wanted to see it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I probably had to cut back a star, <laughs> but I still would have enjoyed it. <laughs> so Avra keeps coming out and cutting, uh, cutting Rose in the back of the legs. Uh, they almost get her boxed up, uh, but she breathes some of Danny's steam here. And uh, no, what she what she does is because uh, Ab- Abra keeps like it, it's like a, you know, Abra plays like the bait. So yeah. she keeps cutting mm-hmm. her in the leg and then um, Rose grabs her by the throat and is able to get out of this alternate reality. That, so she's back in the typewriting room where, you know, I'm going to bash your effing brains. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that was great. I mm-hmm. love that shot when she first walked in there with the staircase and everything. Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, so. Dan tells Abra to run. She she books it out of there, and then this is when the confrontation happens. So Abra's much stronger because she went on this steam binge before she got there, so she's ultra-powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, stabs Dan in the You mean Rose? Rose, Rose, Rose that's yeah. Yep. yeah, Rose yeah. is really powerful because she took in all the rest she of the steam. That opened she up all the containers, yeah. yeah. Um, so she throws Dan down the stairs, stabs him in the leg with the back of the, the axe and starts pressing in it because it hit the artery mm-hmm. and uh, he's starting to die. His steam's starting to cut and she's breathing it in. She goes, it tastes like whiskey. And yeah. then that's when he opens up all of the... T- but one of the things that she says, which is very telling, is she had no idea that somebody was that strong in the world. That's right. He cuz he he masked it. He always he always told himself to bury. He even said it to Abra, bury your your Yeah. so they don't find you. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, like she's pushing on it, he's starting to die, then he releases all the all the ghosts. And that mm-hmm. kind of made me believe that maybe Danny was the strongest person that could shine for his generation and Abra was for hers. Yeah, I got the I got the idea that Abra was the most powerful. And yeah. I, but I got the idea that Rose was more powerful than Danny. 
And maybe that's because she went on the steam binge. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Partially that, but we've never seen Danny fully flex his muscle. I mean, we saw him do it with the van, you know, basically got the permission from Abra to possess her and then use the powers through Abra, which is next level. I mean, we haven't heard or seen of this before. But so, that's a, yeah, exact, but that's exactly where you saw how powerful Dan was Yes, at this point. And I think that kind of comes back to Predator and Prey. And I, um, and I say that because in, in Stephen King's stuff, and we talked about this earlier, John, is there is a utility to King's stuff. There has to be a balance at some point. Mm-hmm. If you read the Gunslinger series, that's about balance. Uh, if you look at uh, it, in the books at least, there's it and then the huge turtle brother. <laughs> there's a counterbalance to it. And it seemed to me that there had to be... Because if the world was littered with people that sh- that shone or shined, however you want to say shined. it... Shined. Shined. <laughs> Um, people would be doing extraordinary things. All the, there, there wouldn't be normal people, or normal people, quote unquote, would be a minority. There, yeah. And it seemed to me like the knot was the utility of keeping that in check to a certain degree. But mm-hmm. when Rose got greedy, or ha- had such a large band of people to feed, it threw everything out of whack. Right. So. No, it I makes agree. sense. Yeah, that's that's a interesting perspective. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Well, it was pretty cool to see all the characters back, though. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, ultimately, Danny opens all these boxes, and they consume Rose. They try to consume him, too. So, Grady was there. The uh-huh. guy that got popped in the head was the there. The twins. The twins were there. Uh-huh. The twins were there. And just seeing them kind of, like, stretch at her face and pull and tug at her, and uh, that was disquieting. <laughs> Not as badly as the kid getting killed. Oh, oh Getting God. back to the kid getting killed, that's the point where we really kind of get a good taste of how strong Abra is, because not only does she contact Uncle Dan, mm-hmm. she hits that room so hard she actually fractures the word red rum into his right. uh, chalk wall. Well, that it's they've been murder, re- but mm-hmm. he sees red rum in the mirror, but yes. it actually spells out murder the exact way he wrote it at the Overlook it, in the Shining. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, fracturing the wall is putting it mildly. It shakes the house. Uh, his, uh, his landlord was pretty uh, adamant about quiet and, you know, <laughs> getting his, I don't think he's getting his security deposit no, back. No, he is not getting that deposit back. <laughs> so, so ultimately, uh, you know, Danny ends up... Uh, Turning on the boiler here at the Overlook, and uh, that was remember, part of the trap that he set yeah, up during the point of waking up. I remember, the, the yeah, building. it didn't have it had some sort of issue that you had to keep purging it or something, right? Yeah, Wasn't and that, that was even mentioned in the shine in the in book, the shining, right? In the book, because Jack goes crazy, he stops tending to the boiler, and at yeah, the end of right. the shining, the book, the place blows up and burns down. That's right. But in the movie, it doesn't. So this is kind of the tipping of the scales or putting things kind of back where they were in the books. By yeah, the I'd be interested to know how they handled that in Doctor, in Doctor Sleep, the novel. If the novel is supposed to be a sequel to the novel, The Shining. How- well, I read somewhere that that actually most of uh, the, the Tide Knot, yeah. they all... They all survive or something, or there's more survivors. Really? They get lured. They do get lured by Dan and um, and and Abra, Abra, 
and they it's it's just like wood plank. It had yeah. been burned down, and then all the you know all the other tied knot get destroyed by these ghosts. Oh, okay. Huh. Yep. So, and obviously, none of well, none of us have read the book. Obviously, but yeah. Um, well, I read that, but yeah, no, I haven't yeah. read. You read Doctor Sleep? I've, I've, no, I did not. Yeah, you read the Shining though. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, of them. I, no, I read. You read that at one point. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I, I kind of looked up the differences between the book and the and the film of mm-hmm. both The Shining and Doctor Sleep to try to fill in some some yeah. bits. Abra survives. Dan gets down to the boiler room. Uh, it's on fire. And really, actually, I kind of enjoyed the scene of seeing uh, Wendy again. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into a kid, and they're just together. Yeah, I thought that, was, that cool. was a great. I like that. Let's not forget the fact that the house actually possesses Dan, and the reason why he's there is the house wants Dan's body to turn off the boiler, because it knows what's coming if it doesn't get turned off. Oh, that's right, because his eyes go completely white, and he's speaking in an altered voice, and it's the house. It's It's the hotel. Yeah, exactly. So he goes, he comes out of the trance a little bit, and then goes to turn on the boiler, and then gets held back because he gets possessed again, but he fights back on it and just, yep, turns it on, and there you go. Overlook burns down and is purified. It is purified. Abra survives. Next scene is Abra's in a room talking to Dan. So you're like, wait, well, hold on. Oh, I get what yeah. happened. He is substitute Dick Holleran. <laughs> yes, he became exactly. he became the guardian for Abra. Okay, so he yeah. died, but he also, like like Abra brings up to her mom, is that we never really go anywhere. We're always here. Mm-hmm. So that, that I, I thought that put a pretty good explanation on, you know, why Dick was still kind of around. I just don't understand if, you know, how it tied in with Tony because they brought the name Tony back yeah, and to understand that Tony was actually the older version of himself. I, you know, that, that was a little confusing to me. It, it tied it up in a nice little bow at the end because Uncle Dan's always going to be her kind of Tony, whatever. Yep. So I thought this, and, uh, go ahead. And he gives her the advice to, to shine yeah which is i think kind of the don't learn from my mistakes Mm -hmm. had i actually shown we wouldn't be here now things would have been completely different right and you wouldn't have been in peril so Mm -hmm. do the thing that seems a little bit silly with all the shine on stuff i thought that they were just going to launch right into instant karma i don't know but uh but yeah it was it was a nice little bow on the end of it It wrapped it all up pretty nicely um yeah yeah i uh I don't know. Do we miss anything? I don't think so. No, I don't think I so think that's either. That's the movie. <laughs> it was the movie. All right, so let's start with our guest. Thank you again, Brad, for coming in. Uh, Absolutely. For talking to Doctor Sleep once again. What are you going to give it out of five? Uh, I think I'm going to up my score to four. Yeah, you gave it a three point five. Yep. Four. I just having more time to digest some of that and think about some of the. Uh, Especially thinking about it in in the fact that, you know, The Shining is really the Overlook story. The second Doctor Sleep is about Danny's story of redemption and and being the hero he should have always been. Um, It it, it made me think of it in an even more positive light. So, four. Okay. I give this a four as well. My goodness. (laughs) I, I I think this is a sequel that improves on the original. Somehow pulls off being great uh, for those who like the film. I think would really like it. I did not like The Shining. I love this film. <laughs> I thought this was great. It had some just 
fantastic scenes in it. It really uh, like it had a great villain in the knot and rose the hat. The uh, Rebecca Ferguson was just an awesome villain. Yeah, I hated her. You know, <laughs> you just want to see her die, and you just enjoy seeing all the times that she gets you know trapped and tricked and stuff. And it, I actually laughed out loud when Rose got blown across the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. fighting and, Abra. And, and I love like when she got blown off the top of her bus. I was like, yeah. Well, I was the only person that laughed at both of those scenes, which she yeah, she she did a great job. She did it both times. Awesome. She had the look, uh, like a genuine look of fear yes. and confusion on her yes. face, and I—that's I, a sign of a good actor. I mean, I, I thought she did a great job of that. Not a huge fan of The Shining. I love Doctor Sleep. I think this is a great movie. Four mm. stars. All right. <sighs> and Abra, oh, and just a, kind of a, a tip of the hat to the actress that played Abra. Oh, she did great. Because at the point where Danny's riding her, essentially, to try to save her, her whole nature and demeanor changes. Mm-hmm. She becomes, yeah, she, she becomes she, a different person. She became dance. She's yeah. like, oh, I haven't been hung over in a long time. Yeah. Yes. Comes yeah, out of it. Did, that was oh. a great scene. That was a great scene. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um. I was going to come in at a two and a half, but I, I actually kind of really enjoyed it. I thought the steam idea was kind of silly. I mean, I think they could have been a little more subtle about it. But, um, you know, the kill scenes were, were great. I, I got enjoyment out of seeing the ghost, but it just, it, I mean, it got too much. It, it was just like you seeing all the characters. It, it's, it's, hey, here's the greatest hits of The Shining all in the last <laughs> 20 minutes of the movie. Here you go. Um, I thought Mike Flanagan did a really, really good job of tying some of those loose ends up, even though, and maybe I've got to see it again. Maybe I've got to sit down and watch it again. But I mean, it just seems silly. It just seemed kind of, it could have been its own movie. It didn't have to be the Shining sequel. I mean, because it stands alone on by, it stands there by itself as a solid film. And, and And I thought, I did think that like, the Shining itself, the power of The Shining was something very different from the original movie. You know, they really added a lot of uh, powers and stuff to it. So I see what you're saying as far as it being, it could have been a different movie where this is just called magic or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> well, and we finally get to see the different flavors of right. and the various levels of power. You know, you have a certain power level and uh, like Andy, uh, Snakebite Andy, her, she has the shine. She has a certain level of power, and her specialty is being able to push people. Right. Um, and Almost hypnotize people, yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe in the novel, The Shining, all of that is explained, too. I don't know. I, I like None of us have read the book, so it's, it's hard to say. Kind of made uh, me think about Star Wars and like Force-sensitive people versus yeah. people that actually are Jedi Masters and that. Sure. Yeah, I've just right. taken you there. Sorry about that. But. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it's all right. It's, it's, all, it's all good. I, I, I agree. I think what, what this movie... It just falls short of, of like, I, I have an expectation of being a sequel, um, you know, because there was something about, something very charming about The Shining, that it, it's not so many, I not too many people, and they're all isolated, but you're right, uh, you know, giving it a lot of thought, it, it's about the hotel, about the evilness that, that something can bring out of you you know when you're isolated where else are you going to go except you're either going to go with it or against it so that was charming to me to me it just there was a lot going on and a lot to digest Mm -hmm. but it's 
no, Br- Brad, Brad and I were talking, uh, and I think we mentioned on a previous uh, Horrorphoria that uh, there is a, what is it, like three and a half hour, three hour director's cut of yeah. this where, uh, where they... There's like actually a lot of scenes added, and uh, they, they actually shot- divide them up into chapters. Okay, um, and uh, more of the expansion is on like uh, Danny's childhood, understanding you know the reason why they went to Florida, get away from all that snow, and how that all kind of plays out. They never wanted Wendy never wanted to see snow again. Well, no, <laughs> Which no, we no. Kind and of he get explains that, that later in the movie yeah. too. Um, but so, it, so for me, that to add more of that in there, I mean, well, it's just, I'm just saying, if you, if you want to watch it again, maybe that would be the thing to watch because maybe it would answer some of these questions for you. Where I thought the movie did, did a really good job in the time that it had. It was mercifully only two hours. I, I wouldn't, like I said, when I when, it, when two hours rolled around, I'm like, can we wrap this up? You know. But then they went to the overlook. I was fine with it. You know. I yeah. was like, all right, we we, we should see this. I didn't really more. feel it, it when somebody when uh, my wife told me, God, that was a two two hour and forty minute movie, and I'm like, God, it didn't feel like it. Yeah. In the theater, I don't mm-hmm. know. All, no, and, know. And, I, and I was sitting at home watching my th- where I have a counter. You yeah. Know, and yeah. I can pause it and see how much is left. <laughs> so if I was sitting in the theater, I think it would it would have been the same experience for. For me because uh, it really that 40 minutes went fast once they went to yeah. the overlook you know it wasn't dragged out at all uh, and I think they did a really good job of editing it so that it, it's it was only that long you know yeah the but, pacing was pretty good and I imagine since it's Stephen King this is like a thousand page book so, <laughs> you know. you've got so much material to work with yeah exactly. so, so I, I really think it stands I think it's a great movie I get I stand on my by four stars man. you know what I, I, I do think that's a fair score I just had these little problems to it. And maybe I'll maybe I'll change my mind on a second watch. I don't know, um, but that's why I feel about it right now. I just watched it last night, so I have a lot to chew on. <laughs> All righty, uh, coming up next week, we are celebrating number fifty, episode fifty, so number fifty. Going to have a special guest in uh, Justin Soju from Straight Chillin' Podcast talking our top five favorite horror movies of all time. I think we're going to throw in a little. Uh, Honorable mentions and then like honorable, honorable mentions. So it's pretty much going to be top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right, everybody have a happy Valley weekend. We'll talk to you next week.